We now move to chapter 4, which deals with Jnana Karma Sanyasa Yoga, or the integrated path of knowledge, action, and renunciation. Krishna tells Arjuna, Do you know that what I am telling you now is what was taught by me to your ancient ancestors a long time ago? Arjuna frowns and asks, Krishna, how could that be? You are almost the same age as me, maybe a few years older. How then could you have taught all this to my ancestors? Krishna smiles and replies, That precisely is the point, Arjuna. You are just looking at my physical body and thinking of the age of the body. But I have already told you that I am not the body. Indeed, neither are you. You are the Atma, and so am I. When I told you that I taught your ancestor, I meant that I, wearing a particular body at that time, taught an embodiment of the Atma that was your physical ancestor. Arjuna, man has been told repeatedly that he is not the body, but the eternal Atma. But like a weak student, He easily forgets the lesson, taught despite many repetitions. Man seems to remember all kinds of trivial and useless information, but readily forgets important truths about his real nature. This is the main reason why I have to incarnate again and again, to teach the same lesson. See how man's stupidity gives me so much work. But... I love man dearly, and therefore I do not mind. Arjuna, man forgets truth, but I don't. That is the difference between man and God. Now listen to this carefully. Humans take birth, die, are born again, die again, and so on it goes, in a seemingly endless cycle. This repeated birth and death is related to a process of settling accounts, one might say. In a given birth, a human being accumulates some positive as well as some negative points. The positive points come from the good deeds done, while the negative points come from the sins committed. It is this accumulation that causes rebirth. When a person is reborn, He enjoys good luck in proportion to his positive points and bad luck corresponding to the negative points. The positive and the negative are inescapable for a person with an external outlook, that is to say, when the vision is focused mostly on the world outside. Arjuna then asks, Krishna, what you say is very disturbing. Is there no way to get out of this rut of repeated birth and death? Krishna replies, Who said there isn't any? There sure is. All you have to do is surrender to me. In fact, I have already told you how you can earn God's grace. Once you have God's grace, nothing can touch you and you can get off the hook once and for all. Human birth is called 
karma janma. It means that birth is caused by the consequences of actions performed in earlier births. That is what I just now described in terms of settling accounts. Arjuna asks, Krishna, what about you? Is your birth also a karma janma? Krishna says in reply, Arjuna, what are you saying? I incarnate and am not born like you and other ordinary mortals are. I have no accounts to settle. Do you understand that? I come at specific times of my choice for specific purposes. It is all a part of my never-ending sport or leela. That is why the incarnation of God is referred to as Leela Janma. You want to know more? Here it is. This entire creation is a spot or Leela of God. The universe is the stage and every person is an actor in God's cosmic drama. All the ups and downs that you see in life are a part of this extraordinary drama. Now, an ordinary play must have a script writer a director, a producer, and so on. In the cosmic drama, all these roles are played by God himself. He is the author, the director, the producer, etc., etc. Perhaps you have seen in the usual dramas that there is a person hiding behind the screen who whispers the dialogue in case some actor forgets his lines. He is called a prompter. In the cosmic drama also, Something similar happens when people forget to follow dharma, which is really the script, God prompts via the conscience. However, there are times in history when such prompting alone is not sufficient. God then dons a human form and descends as an avatar to play a direct role in his own drama. This way, it becomes much easier for him to correct man. Arjuna, whenever the situation demands, I come in human form. Such an incarnation is called an avatar. Arjuna asks, Krishna, why and when does God deem it necessary to incarnate? Krishna replies, Ah, God incarnates whenever wickedness is on the rise and good people are tormented by evil people. The avatar deals suitably with the wicked and protects the good. There are many ways in which the avatar deals with wicked people. When the number of evildoers is relatively small, he arranges for them to be simply disposed of. This is like a surgeon removing cancerous growth. Do not however imagine that every time God descends, he would do so with some sort of weapon to slay people with. Far from it. There are times when vast sections of the population have good and evil coexisting within them. In such an event, the avatar obviously cannot go around slaying people. Instead, he resorts to an entirely different strategy. When evil is widespread, the weapon that the avatar uses is the most powerful of them all. 
The beauty of this weapon is that not even a single drop of blood is shed. Isn't that amazing? Can you guess what that weapon is? I am sure you cannot. It is love, Arjuna. It is pure and unselfish love. Love that gives and forgives. Love gives and also forgets. Love that gives and also forgets. Arjuna asks, Krishna, how on earth can just love alone get rid of the bad guys? Krishna smiles and says, that is the beauty about love. You see, it does not get rid of wicked people, but removes the wickedness in people. Got it? Arjuna asks, Krishna, are you saying that love transforms the bad into good? With visible enthusiasm, Krishna replies, Correct, you got it. Transformation is the miracle that love alone can perform. And that is how a bloodbath is averted. Arjuna, it is a pity that man often tries to solve problems using violence, when love would do the job far more simply and much better too. Right now, what is required is surgery, but the day will come when the avatar would be seen as nothing but love. He would all the time be talking about love and through his own life put on display the innumerable shades of pure love. Pure love would scrub away all the contamination in the minds of seekers who come to him. The avatar can charm and transform people in countless different ways, suited to the mental makeup of the person concerned. Arjuna asks, Krishna, can you tell me something more about the avatar? Krishna replies, Yes, I can. But right now, since time is short, let me just say that in whatever way people adore me and relate to me, in that very same way I respond. Thus, to a child I am a child, to a woman I am a woman, to a man I am a man. But when I am alone, I am God. People wonder, why did God, who is indivisible, create diversity in the universe? Well, that is for the purpose of staging my cosmic drama. You would have noticed, Arjuna, that people are very different in their aptitudes and attitudes. Some like to paint, some like to sing, some are interested in sports, some hunger for power, some are mad about business, and so on. All this diversity is needed for making my drama spicy. Thus, it is that there are good guys as well as bad guys. Talking about my drama, let me now add a couple of more remarks about when I make my appearance. You see, people normally tend to forget God, especially when there are plenty of worldly attractions. But if the avatar happens to be around, his divine attraction draws millions to him like a magnet. And this way, many, many people start thinking about God, at least part of the time. 
They come to him with all kinds of doubts to start with, but once they see him, they are straight away captivated. And when he talks to them, they are instantly charmed and begin to transform. In short, the avatar initiates God consciousness on a large scale, which in subsequent years grows substantially. The avatar also provides many opportunities to devotees to redeem their lives by serving him in many ways. He gives tasks to many and people plunge into these tasks in order to please God in human form. Actually, God does not want any of these things, but he pretends that he wants this or that done so that people could sanctify their lives. Just to give an example, in my early avatar as Rama, there was a need to build a bridge across the ocean. I could have easily created such a bridge with a mere wave of my hand, but I did not. Why? Because I wanted to give the Vanaras or monkeys accompanying me a chance to do service. In fact, you might remember that even a small squirrel came forward to help in this mighty project. What contribution can a mere squirrel make? But God does not evaluate in terms of quantity. He cares only for the spirit in which service is done. And thus it is that squirrel became eternally famous by winning the grace of God. Remember, one teaspoon of cow's milk is far preferable to a barrel of donkey's milk. All this sort of thing happens while the avatar is around. But after the avatar withdraws, and as the years pass by, man begins to forget again, and one more trip down becomes necessary for me. Arjuna, being close to the avatar, confers one priceless advantage. Proximity helps one to watch closely the avatar in action and learn innumerable lessons from him. This is because the avatar's life is always his message. As has been said, living with God is true education. Let me now revert to the business of action and inaction. Normally, these words are used in a purely worldly sense, but that is not correct. Let us say there is a hyperactive businessman. He might be very busy all the time, chasing money of course. However, a wise man will not see all this as action. Rather, he would describe it as inaction. Why? Because for the wise, that alone is action which is offered in a selfless manner and as an offering to God. Perhaps this would make clear to you that though yogis might seem very passive and inactive, they actually are very active in a spiritual sense. Let me explain with an illustration. Let us say there is a yogi who is deep in meditation. You would think this man is utterly inactive and frozen, giving a good imitation of a statue. Not correct. You see, even while meditating, 
this yogi spreads sacred vibrations all around him. People get drawn to the yogi on account of his goodness. And when they are in his proximity, they experience badly needed calm and inner peace, at least for some time. The yogi is hardly conscious that he is doing this. Yet, what he is doing is valuable service and therefore counts as action in the spiritual sense. Valuable action, in fact. Tell me, how many are there who can render the important service of making people experience calm and peace? The two important points you must note regarding action are Firstly, they must be totally free from ego. And secondly, they must be done with love. In fact, as the saying goes, Prema is karma made visible. If action is performed in the spirit, then automatically there is no thought of reward. It is this sacrifice of the desire for the fruit of action or karma phalatyagam as it is called that would ensure eternal escape from rebirth. Over the ages, people have devised various methods of making offerings. Some build a sacred fire and offer material objects to that fire. This is okay for a start, but what is preferable is to sacrifice or offer or give up, call it what you will, one's undesirable traits like bad desires, for example, make this offering in the fire of knowledge. Knowledge or wisdom is the greatest and most purifying fire that one can think of. Physical fire can burn only material objects, whereas the fire of knowledge can burn even such subtle entities as bad qualities. There is nothing greater than absolute knowledge for that alone gives a glimpse of the oneness that is God. It is knowledge alone that will create constant integrated awareness, the capacity to see God everywhere, in everything, all the time. Once you are able to see God everywhere, even the traditional ritual involving offerings to the fire would manifest as a part of the cosmic loop. That is to say, you would realize that the one who is making the offering is God. The object offered is God. The fire to which the object is offered is God. And the ultimate receiver is also God. In short, everything is by God, for God and of God. This is the awareness that true knowledge would bring to you. Arjuna Without knowledge, you would be reduced to a bundle of doubts. Therefore, seizing the sword of wisdom, slay ignorance before you embark on battle.